0: Some companies still know how business casual is done.
1: It's strictly business.
0: All right, it's Friday the 13th, and we are here with Business Casual. Had you noticed that yet, Daniel? I kind of
2: didn't, but I guess today is meant to be cursed uh-oh. Now I'm only going to be looking for the negatives
0: in we should, today. She should probably just cancel the show now. Or stop it now, because nothing's gone wrong yet. You know,
2: it's kind of tragic. Friday the 13th, we got some uh, pretty big UK election news uh, and results, which I guess some people would say were pretty cursed. So
0: I suppose so. <laughs> like, I suppose um,
2: so. But, you know, what, what we're also getting today... Is some non-cursed content. And we've got a lot of wood around us, so I'm gonna knock on that. Knock on that wood because we've got some fun conversations coming on Biz Cash. We sure do. We sure do. We're gonna be uh-huh. chatting lift. Yes. We're gonna be chatting Wingstop. Yes. But most importantly, we're gonna be sitting down with Brian Runo. He's a senior instructional designer here at Market Scale. And uh, you know we've been doing a lot of content in the last uh, you know few weeks mm-hmm. unpacking the state of online education. Big reason being you know we're launching our own online education uh, services here as part of our uh, you know content services and marketing services platform. Yes, uh, but it's a great catalyst for us to explore. Why instructional design, why online education, why e-learning um, is growing, not just in K-12 through 12 and higher ed, but in the business world. So I'm excited for that conversation.
0: It's going to be awesome. That is coming up in about 13 minutes at 9.15. So at precise. Central, Central time. Well, yeah, uh, got to be precise here in the radio world, Daniel. <laughs> that's just that's just how we do things. Also, how it be that's you're also going to want to stick around because at nine thirty is a new episode of I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson, where we talked to Randy Grimes. He had a ten year career in the NFL after going to Baylor. He was an offensive lineman and post NFL career uh, he struggled with opioid addiction and wow. so we're going to talk a little bit about how he fell into that addiction how he got out and what he's doing to help athletes recover now so that is at 9 30 a.m central time so you're going to want to stick around after business casual check out the first of a two-part interview with Randy Grimes because it is really powerful really awesome That's incredible uh, yeah you're going to want to hear that for sure and you're going to want to
2: tweet at me tomorrow
0: yeah because it's my birthday it's Daniel's birthday tomorrow yeah he Yay! Turns Fifteen. <laughs> wow! Just I'm, I almost cussed you out on air. I know you did.
2: <laughs> I know. No, I'll be twenty-four.
0: Congratulations, nice buddy. Nice and
2: uh, old and young at the same time. <laughs> young in the uh, you know in the sense of uh, other people that are adults, but old in the sense of my head because in my mind twenty-four sounds old.
0: Yeah. Call me in like eight years. Yeah, but right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today, uh, our first story this morning is going to be about Wingstop. Now, Wingstop is partnering with Twitch to grow its customer base through eSports. Now, this is a really interesting partnership, and uh, what they're doing is the restaurant chain is enabling customers to order food directly on the streaming services website until December 16th as part of a limited time offer. How interesting is that? So it's pretty incredible while you're streaming on Twitch or while you're watching somebody play video games or esports on Twitch, you can just order wings right there. And you know what? Wingstop has the best fries around. I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I love their fries. They're so so good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the the capability also features Wingstop's wing calculator, which recommends flavors for streamers to try based on their personal preferences. So they're kind of building out this little ecosystem where, you know, hey, you're doing this activity. Hey, let's just make it really, really easy to order food right here from the platform. Now, one of the things that I find really interesting about this is that um, a recent study by Magic points out that 52% of all consumers interested in esports um, enable ad blockers of some kind for, brands like Wingstop to kind of get creative about how you get around that, right? Mm. So you build it into the platform. So it's not a pop-up ad that gets blocked or, you know, something that most people would find annoying right. and a turnoff. It's a service. It's a service that's built into the overall platform, which I think is a really interesting and important distinction in this it's case.
2: It's very smart. It totally speaks to its audience. Yes. Like this This is a great example of marketing that truly understands the audience understands the medium and understands, uh, you know, how these people interact with their medium. Yeah. So, you know, to your point, I've got, you know, ad blocker on 100% of the time. The only Mm -hmm. the only times I pause it are when I'm doing research and, you know, CNBC tells me you're not going to get to read this story unless you turn off your ad blocker. So it's like, okay, sorry. Ah. (laughs) So then it gets paused. But beyond that, you know, I'm I'm an online person. Uh, my roommate is a big online gamer, mm-hmm. and you know, ads are the biggest like random roadblock, especially if you're on Twitch or if you are you know just kind of surfing for uh, lore content. You know, if if right. you're <laughs> if you're digging in on on a bunch of different little mini wikis, it's just annoying. No one likes them. That's why we block them. And the fact that Wingstop understood that understood their audience, understood that eSports is beginning to mesh with the sports world in a pretty tangible way. Yep. And I mean, if you think about what is the, you know, the key food of the sporting world, I'd say wings have to at least be in the top three.
0: Wings are up there, buddy. Wings
2: are up there. So they're delicious. They're easy to eat. They're messy. (laughs) And you know, sports fans love them. Yeah, and they're leaning into that on an extremely online medium, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's just really smart marketing, in yeah. my opinion.
0: Wingstop's one of the fastest growing restaurant chains in the United States, and I think this type of ingenuity, you know, is. Is ingenuity the right word for what I'm trying to say? Probably not, Probably, but you nah, know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just an inventive way yes. of, of reaching a new customer base. And here's a quote from uh, Christina Clark, Wingstop's recently appointed chief marketing officer. She says Twitch is a huge part of the gaming landscape, and we know that we must invest in the platform if we want to continue engaging with our Wingstop gaming fans while also reaching new consumers. I think that's really smart. And the activation has already exceeded the benchmarks that Twitch set for it. And so while this is set to expire December 16th, so just a few days away. No. Uh, I would anticipate on some level that this uh, sticks around and that this is not the last that we'll see of a partnership like this. And uh, I would guess that other people are going to try to emulate this on some level because I think that the success is pretty evident.
2: Right. And the thing is that it it really isn't advertising when yeah. you get down to it. It's almost, you know, more akin to uh, content marketing in that, you know, there is a There is an interactive deliverable that the end user, uh, I guess, interacts with, for lack of a better word. Sure. And, you know, it isn't like, hey, look, we're Wings, buy us. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the fact that they integrate with Twitch, um, I, I think, shows that even Wingstop realizes traditional advertising for this audience is really not useful. People are going to see that banner ad and ignore it. Right. But if it's a built-in service and it feels like, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I'm streaming here. It's extremely convenient. I'm going to quickly order some wings without even leaving the chat. You know what I mean? Most definitely. That's huge. And, you know, Twitch streamers love their chat,
0: so. Definitely, definitely. Quick question for you, Daniel. Are you boneless or bone-in when Ooh. it comes to wings?
2: Um, The spicier I get, the... Uh, the more bone in, I would like it to be. Not that there's really like, you can't have like half bone in. It's either boneless or bone in. But um, like your mild honey barbecues, your ginger teriyakis, all that stuff, I'll go boneless. Um, hmm. Easier to dip in the blue cheese. But ah, when I
0: blue cheese, yeah. over, over ranch. Yes,
2: that's probably my hottest take. Ooh, but the that the is a hot take, the hot wings. I think you know if you're already going to be. Um, torturing yourself yes i think you might as well lean in all the way and just own the you know like the the ripping of the meat off the bones it feels more proper
0: yes yeah, i'm a purist i go bone in all the time really brian runo our senior uh, instructional designer he's in the studio because we're interviewing him in five minutes brian do you have a hot take on uh on hot wings do they need to be bone in or boneless
1: um. Honestly, I think that the bone-in ones are better, and I say that because the breading on the boneless ones aren't as good, and you just don't feel as natural and uh, juicy.
0: I think I agree with Brian. That's why I like Brian. That's why he's sticking around. That's why I'm getting kicked off this show. Exactly, Brian. Congrats! You're the new co-host of <laughs> Business Cash.
2: Wonderful. I mean, Thank look, you. I'm excited. Boneless are uh, just glorified
1: chicken nuggets, but that's kind of why I like them. No, so. no, no, no. They're not bone. They're not glorified chicken nuggets. Oh, now I'm going too uh, too hard in the opposite they're, direction. They're glorified chicken tenders. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> fair. There's a that's difference fair. in the culinary world. Chicken nugget is the ground chicken. That's whereas true. Tender is the actual strip of
2: chicken. Yeah. Okay. Well, wow, thank you
1: for correcting me on that.
2: Brian
0: is
1: right about that's that. That's why he's an
2: instructional
0: designer. He's instructing the hell out of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely correct. All right, we'll be talking to Brian here in five minutes about things more important than chicken wings. Actually, hey. That's a big statement. Don't you dare. I kind of take that back. Okay, (laughs) anyways, we need to move on because Lyft has announced they are rolling out a car rental service. And as a result, Hertz and Avis, their shares fell 6% for Hertz, 5% for Avis uh, in the the wake of this announcement. Lyft Hmm. said yesterday that it's launching a car rental service within its main app. And uh, here's what the company said in a blog post. We're giving riders the flexibility to rent a car for weekend getaways, business trips, or even to run errands. What do you Eh. think about this news, Daniel?
2: Well, are they uh, building facilities where you would go to rent them? How would you actually get the car? Was there any detail on that?
0: That is a good question. Um, So I do know you do it within the app, right? So you Uh click a a button in the app that kind of starts the process. They say that the vehicles come equipped with Apple CarPay, Android Auto, and phone chargers. And you can choose free add-ons like ski racks, car seats, tire chains, things like that. Uh, And they're even adding hybrid vehicles to the mix. And so uh, I think- Yeah, I mean,
2: I'm looking at the article right now. It's really not that descriptive on like the logistics of this. But I really wonder- Uh, is Lyft now going to have to build like, you know, rent uh, budget car centers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where you just go and you do the check-in thing and like, how do they merge the, um, the tangibles of needing to go get a rental car with the app flexibility? I, I I like it. I, you know, I think it's a a clever uh, expansion of their platform, right? Especially since, um, you know, you're seeing Uber take, for example, Lime scooters and integrate them into their hub. So when you go to call an Uber, right, you also see immediately on the map, oh, check it out. Here are the available scooters around me. So all of these platforms are kind of expanding the transportation services they want to offer on the main app. I think this is, you know, a, a clever expansion. Um You know, I wonder if they'll ever merge the two businesses, right? You rent a car and then, hey, on the way to wherever you're going, you want to
0: give someone a ride? (laughs) Um, That might be kind of interesting. As a way to pay for your... uh, (laughs) Yes, right. Pay for your car rental. That'd be kind of funny. No, but here's the thing that stands out to me about this is that I think it's telling that Hertz and Avis immediately saw their shares drop, mainly because... When was the last time you rented a car, Daniel? Like, have you done it any time recently? Um, e- no. I've done it a couple of times when we've had to travel for market scale, right? Yeah. Gone and done video shoots. and It's it, been you like know. a year since yeah. I rented a car. So when we went to Kentucky for the Made in America uh, video shoot with big-ass fans and, um, and Buffalo Trace, and then when we were up in Pennsylvania for the Martin Guitars video shoot, which that comes out a week from yesterday. It's going to be a fantastic video about the Martin Guitars. But um, so we've rented a car both of those times. Neither time was it remotely convenient or did it go smoothly if that makes it's sense. always slow right it's always slow it's kind of a pain and it's one of those things that since we don't do it terribly often because we live in texas and we're very very car dependent uh renting a car is not something that, that happens for us on a regular basis but i think that this is one of those industries that you look at and that you see oh man Lyft is going to make it so much easier just to do it through an app uh, less paperwork less hassle at the counter less uh I'm imagining that it's going to be way more convenient than it typically is at the airport they've made a couple of adjustments to different rules like lyft is going to allow people as young as 22 to rent a car um, whereas I don't think you're allowed to do it unless you're 25 is that right
2: there are like uh, that's the standard but yeah. there are some businesses that are now lowering that age because they realize that there's a whole Uh, you know, market there to tap into. Yeah,
0: and then also, like, they're they're piloting this in L.A. and San Francisco, two pretty notoriously expensive cities. Now, if you are somebody... I had friends that lived in San Francisco that didn't have a car, right? Just they walked everywhere they needed to go, you know, and if not there was public transportation and that sort of thing. But if they wanted to take a day trip out to, you know, wine country or something like that, they had to rent a car. Well, for $35 a day now you can rent one of these lift cars. And doesn't that just make life more convenient for people that live in cities like that? I th- I, I see this and I think I I wonder like how exactly they're going to make money doing this, but for the most part I think it's probably going to be a massive success.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only thing that you know, kind of uh, spark some logistical questions for me. Other than the actual like handling of where you get the car, is the fact that now Lyft is adding true maintenance needs to their portfolio. Mm-hmm. So where you know Uber and Lyft has kind of they've kind of gotten away with not needing to provide any sort of maintenance or insurance. So you're to, a little concerned
0: with the overhead.
2: Yes, like maintenance or insurance to the cars of their drivers because it's like, hey, you your own car and you take the liability of driving your own car the fact that they're now having to invest in vehicles maintain the vehicles rent them out like is that a viable um business model for them like is that going to increase revenue is that going to help dig them out of the the debt hole that they and uber are in who knows um i think like i always end my stories with
0: We're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see, Daniel. Well, we don't have to wait long to hear from Brian Runo, our senior instructional designer for MarketScale, because he is coming up next right here after the break.
2: What does it mean to be a Maverick of Marketing? I'm Shannon Maverick. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. for the Maverick of Marketing radio show. Each week, I'll be chatting with a different marketing expert to find out what makes them a true Maverick. Taking risks. Is being a maverick. you aren't learning, you're, you're going to
1: get left behind. You can either contribute to the problem or you can solve the problem.
2: To listen, visit slash industries and click on Market Scale Radio at the top of the page. Stop running with the herd and start being a true maverick of marketing.
0: The song is Daniel's Jam. And also the
2: one where Britney is doing the the ad and it's like,
1: oh my God, oh
0: my god. Yeah, you like that song too. Yeah, that one's solid. <laughs> it is true. All right, we are joined in the studio by Brian Runo. He is the senior instructional designer here at Market Scale. Brian, thanks for being here today, man.
1: Alright, thank you very much for having me.
0: Brian's got a good radio voice. It's very deep. Very I've, I don't know.
1: I've been told I also have a very good face for radio. Ooh. Ooh
0: don't take that. <laughs> I don't buy that one bit. He's also got a really sweet tattoo
2: that he does. we Besides all got yesterday. to see yesterday. Mm-hmm. Incredible stuff.
0: Yeah. One day we'll
2: get cameras in here. I keep pestering our... Uh, director about it because I want video content in here but one day we'll get cameras in here we'll bring Brian in just for a presentation and it will
0: be the sweet tat
2: yes
0: (laughs) all right Brian so we've mentioned a couple times you're a senior instructional designer that's what you do Uh, you came from northwestern uh, to come here to market scale so first of all just tell us what does a senior instructional designer do
1: so my main job is kind of just to review all the materials that the clients would send in to us and help to design the courses that the clients would need. So those courses can be anything from product training, onboarding process training, sales training, any sort of certifications, product introductions, whatever, uh, whatever you need to do, then um, we can do that here at MarketScale in terms of instructional design and course development.
2: Very nice. Yeah. So, Brian, to get into the thought leadership here, um, Why is instructional design and, you know, the end product of instructional design, which would be online learning, why are those two a growing piece of business in the, you know, business and B2B spaces
1: beyond just K through 12 and higher ed? Yeah, I mean, for uh, instructional design and online learning, a lot of businesses are starting to realize that they could uh, increase their productivity and... uh, you know, shorten the time period for uh, onboarding people. And right now, from what a lot of um, current onboarding and training materials that businesses have, there was a recent Harvard Business Review article that said 75% of managers are disappointed um, and dissatisfied with their learning and development programs. Mm-hmm and 70% of employees don't have mastery of the skills. Mm. And that's from uh, what was currently available. So a lot of businesses are really heavily investing in that, actually to the tune of $359 billion um, in 2016 on online development. So a lot of these businesses are realizing they need to improve, they've got a different kind of audience here, and uh, a lot of different ways that they need to explore learning to maximize um, productivity, profit, and everything else in their businesses.
2: What would you say were the worst parts of online learning uh, in the last few years? You know, like what what made 70% of employees lack retention and 75% of management yeah. despise their, uh, their learning uh, systems?
1: I think a lot of it is where... Um, you know, on the first day of orientation, a lot of employees are just given a packet and said, read through this, make sure that you understand this. And there's no real connection there. It's just very, um, it's very broad scope and not really defined, not very engaging at all. Um, But then when you design an online class with uh, instructional design methodologies, then you start to see that there's um, experiential learning is a big thing that's coming up right now, making sure that you're able to do the task um, that's assigned to you and being able to describe what you're doing um, as opposed to just reading through something and uh, assuming that the person has already gained that knowledge. I think that's one of the biggest things that's happening now.
0: I think one of the things that um, has kind of become a trend recently is that hiring managers are finding more and more that people leaving college you know, with a degree are less and less prepared to actually enter the workforce because they learn a lot in school that doesn't always directly apply to what they're going to end up doing job-wise. So can online learning kind of help supplement that where you hire someone who is qualified from a degree standpoint, qualified from a fit standpoint, but maybe not entirely ready to then enter into the workplace uh, just with all of the various nuances and things that you have to know can you then supplement that a little bit with online learning and then you know have a wider base from which you can hire?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that there are some things that uh, business managers are looking for, um, h- for hiring new people straight out of college, like knowing that, um, for instance, a coder knows certain coding languages and is able to produce certain um, software applications, for instance. But for... Um, you know, communicating with the rest of the team on what's needed. You know, online learning can be helpful for teaching people how to use whatever communication tool that they're using, like Microsoft Teams or Asana, um, and any sort of internal um, processes as well, just to make sure that they are able to effectively communicate within the organization. Because we know that they have skills um, for coding languages like SQL or NoSQL or whatever, right? But not necessarily uh, within the organization and how their role fits in.
0: So for some people, they're going to hear online learning, and it's going to send chills up their spine because they're going to think of, you know, uh, poorly done, you know, internet programs where you're taking a quiz, and then it kicks you out of the quiz, and you get a 40, and you got to email the professor, you know, whatever it is. Defensive driving. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for me, this is a a long time in the past. So I'm I'm guessing things have updated, things have changed. And, you know, what we're able to produce as far as online learning has really evolved over the last 10 years.
1: Well, oh, not only that, I mean, everything has very much greatly expanded in the last 10 years. Um, and online learning did kind of get a bad rap as sort of a, um, uh, like, co-signment course where somebody will be able to send you something and then you take it and then fill out things online. Yeah. Whereas now, there's a lot more tools available for a lot more learner interaction and using blended or flipped learning techniques. Uh, those are really important mm-hmm. for making sure that... Um, whoever's going to be learning is actually learning the materials needed. So um, additionally, analytics has played a a huge part in the uh, evaluation of the effectiveness of online learning, and that's just exploded in the last few years.
2: Mm. So as we, you know, look look at this growth in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that so many more businesses are adopting online learning in this um, kind of uh, rejuvenated sense, the fact that it is uh, more engaging, it's more robust, it's internal and external. As more businesses approach you know, a market scale or they approach a Brian Runo for help developing this kind of stuff, what do you think is the biggest challenge that businesses need to keep in mind as they work with an instructional designer for both the internal and external facing online education?
1: Um, I think the biggest challenge is making sure that uh, whoever the instructional designer is, is getting all of the materials that you currently have, even if they're not great, even if your employees hate them, like all of the training (laughs) materials that you're currently using so that we can base um, our improvements upon that. And also making sure that we have at least one subject matter expert assigned to each course. Um, Sometimes even two subject matter experts, depending on the depth of the course and the depth of the knowledge that's gonna be in there. And just also kind of understanding that um, we're here to help you. We're not here to, um, you know, tear down everything that you guys have worked hard to build up. We're here to improve your processes and work with you. That's a big challenge that I've seen. Um, and we want to make sure that we break down that barrier.
0: So if there's a company that's not employing online learning in any sense right now, what are they missing out on? And why should they consider it?
1: Um, I think what they're missing out on is that one of the biggest trends now is employee retention is heavily tied to... Hmm. Uh, um, professional development, right, so the more professional development that a uh, a company will offer its employees, the better retention rate it got and That was from a Forbes magazine that I read I think like last month I saw that so um, not only are you losing some of the best people because of a lack of uh, professional development, but you're going to have to spend more money onboarding people and you're going to lose out on them uh, once you realize. Uh, that they're not sticking around because of those uh, career advancement opportunities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I read uh, not long ago, kind of as we were we were discussing our, our Job Cast offering, mm. which is another thing we do here, um, you know, for, for uh, hiring managers and that sort of thing. But one of the primary reasons why people were leaving positions was just lack of growth, lack of opportunity and that sort of thing. And having uh, opportunities for employees to continue to better themselves, to continue to improve, to continue that edu- education. Is obviously massive in today's day and age. People look for that next challenge, and that's uh, a main reason why people leave. And uh, retention is a huge reason to uh, to consider uh, online learning and that sort of thing. And online learning can also be, uh, yeah, a, a way to um, to kind of in- increase uh, leads and things mm-hmm. like that as well. Uh, there there are a lot of different benefits to it that uh, that I think you know you might not initially consider, but uh, but yeah. obviously huge, huge ramifications and huge uh, benefits to this. Right.
2: And I mean, yeah, to your point, it can be extremely external uh, in either creating educational platforms for your customers to then keep them engaged and keep them retained and make them feel like you're offering a service beyond just a product, but, you know, more of an ongoing educational relationship. It can be external in the form of uh, giving online education to your entire industry and becoming a leader for, you know, crafting the conversations and the direction of, you know, everything from standardization to just tips and tricks for your whole industry, that's a great way to set yourself apart. And like we've been talking about, they can be also internal, um which is probably where the online education has been the most boring and probably where it can use the biggest facelift. Um so, you know, I I think a lot of um I think a lot of businesses will find the most immediate benefits by uh, you know, f- from loading out online learning in-house and internally. But I think the most exciting opportunities are definitely the external ones. All right. Brian Runo, Senior Instructional Designer here at MarketScale. Thank you so much for joining us for a brief chat on the state of online education and instructional design We got to bring you back on, maybe loop you in for some more content. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, you've got a B2B education update that we're going to be launching here soon. It's going to be a quick one minute audio bite on education trends and marketing and B2B.
1: You amped Mm -hmm. for that? I am very amped for that. I have at least 20 different sessions already planned out so All right this is yeah. going to
2: be huge well talk it, about 2020 being beefed out already yeah,
1: exactly i love it speaking of beefed start.
0: out brian's a big fan of the barbecue so he's in a good spot here yes
1: you sure now. are
2: welcome thank we you. will you know
0: embrace you with open arms
1: awesome i love it thank you guys for having me of I'm course absolutely
0: along. thank you so much brian brian's going to be around and yeah he's going to be uh popping in the studio quite a bit we're going to be hearing a lot from brian we sure are yeah and we're happy to have him in Dallas. Yeah. It's a good thing. Daniel, we've come to the end of another show. We sure have. How so, do we do this? I don't know. We always uh, we always have too good of content. We just can't stop talking. Too much to talk about. Too many stories. Too much going on in the world of B2B.
2: But what is most exciting you hear at scale in the, uh, you know... Uh, coming weeks or going into 2020 content wise coming from the pubs department
0: next week we are releasing our latest episode of made in america where i traveled up to pennsylvania to get a look at martin guitars amazing uh, manufacturing facility as well as their museum so i got a sense of their history they've been building guitars in america since 1833 so i got a chance to check that out that episode releases next thursday so december 19th put that on the calendar i will what about you and folks um
2: Yeah, Ratified has been a real journey already. I've noticed that the more niche I go on the topics, uh, the more difficult it is to lock people down that are qualified to talk on these topics. However, we are releasing an episode on Tuesday that's um, very niche, very AV and telecom focused, um, but more on the engineers and integrators side. We're gonna get some um, information on the dynamics of lobbying in those industries and why language needs to be really specific when you're refining electrician's licensing exemptions yes sir very niche but
0: very interesting stuff that's coming out on Tuesday all right well stick around we have I don't care with Kevin Stevenson coming up next but for Daniel Lipwin, the voice of B2B I'm Tyler Kern we'll see you on Wednesday peace